This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. I'm not biting my tongue anymore. This defense sucks. What they did to a top seven defense for five years in a row and changing it to this crap and giving up to a Raiders team without Jordy Nelson with zero weapons, it's just, this is a god-awful loss at home. It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TD Fantasy Podcast. Jamie Eisner here with Jake Arians. No Paige today. She got abducted by aliens or something, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, she will be back on Wednesday. But let's get right into this game, right off the top, and let's... This was kind of like an elimination game, in a sense, in the NFC. The Dallas Cowboys versus the Atlanta Falcons. You and I both thought the Falcons should win this game fairly easily, and instead they just they got off to a slow start, and they showed a little fight in the fourth quarter, but that was really about it. What is your takeaways from this game that now drops Atlanta to 4-6 and six and puts Dallas right back in the NFC East picture? Yeah, I mean, look, we talked last week. We we asked my dad about it. is Dallas a good team or or not? I'm starting to think they're a lot better than we had. To, we were giving them credit for, right? I mean, Atlanta, they went away from what was making them work for a while. There, Julio was getting doubled, ran the ball a little bit, and and Calvin Ridley was a star, man to man. Dallas's defense played well. Zeke ran it down their freaking throats. I mean, Zeke had a monster day. Dallas has kind of figured out what they want to do. And they went on the road and got a huge win. Well, you got you can't do anything but tip your hat and give them credit for pulling it off. I'm really disappointed, Atlanta, but they're they're officially done. So take them out of the picture. Um, I don't know, man. I didn't see a lot other than Dallas just did what they wanted. Yeah, I mean Ezekiel Elliott's looked really, really strong the last few weeks, and I, that's not surprising by any means. But I mean, he has he's been there all year, and, and they weren't able to get him either the ball enough, or even when he had the ball, it was enough to make Dallas relevant. I still look at this team, and I guess it's just a flaw that I have in watching them. Is I still don't fully believe in their defense. I still don't fully believe it's as good as they've played in some of these games. But they went into Atlanta, and they held them to 19 points, and they held them without a touchdown for th- three quarters. I mean, that's not an easy feat to do against that offense that we've seen put up points. And I just they're not they're not throwing the ball all that well in Dallas right now. But they seem to get enough to get the job done. And on the Falcons' side, it's just, I don't know, it's just disappointing. It's just disappointing this team can't get it figured out. Their offense had shown so much, so many flashes earlier this year. And, again, it goes back to even that opening night game. That That's a winnable game for them that they ended up losing to open the season. And they have lost a lot of winnable games this year. And Dallas, to their credit, when they're facing teams of about equal caliber to them, they're winning. I mean, they did it against Philly. They did it against Atlanta. 
they are beating the teams that they should beat or that they are equal caliber of. And I guess you got to give them credit. They're only one game back from that division. I mean, it's it, it, a huge game on Thursday night, right? I mean, I think you officially have to take Jason Garrett off the hot seat. I mean, Dallas does this crap every year. He does not have the greatest roster of all time. He is making, no. he's, they're out coaching people. They're making it happen. I mean, look, Rod Marinelli, we, we all know that I love and have a ton of respect for. He's doing a hell of a job on that defense. But Jason Garrett, he's right at the ship, man. Dak's making enough plays. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens Thursday with no Alex Smith now. And I mean, look, this this that division's really interesting because Philly looks awful. Yeah, I mean, I asked one of my buddies last night who wins this awful division, and and he said, I still think it's Philly. I'm not sure. I don't think so anymore. They they what? got some serious. I just. They don't look – I mean, they haven't looked good for a while, and they got absolutely obliterated by the Saints. We'll get into that later. But like you said, one of the three Thanksgiving games, Washington at Dallas, Dallas is at home. They win that game. They're leading that division all of a sudden. And then this is – it's crazy to think about. Uh, the other game, Cincinnati at Baltimore, divisional matchup there. Uh, Cincinnati continues its slide with another loss here. But I, the story of this game was the one thing we talked about on uh, last Wednesday, Lamar Jackson running the football. 27 rush attempts for Lamar Jackson. What did you think about that and the rest of this and the rest of this Ravens team? Well, I mean, we sit there and talked about it. he's not a top 10 fantasy quarterback unless he's the starter, he gets every snap, and he runs like crazy, which that's going to be his default, right? If he doesn't like what he sees, he's going to take off and he trusts that. Um, Cincinnati, that's just bad. I mean, you can't – these teams always go back and forth, just like the Pittsburgh t- the game. When Baltimore looked that bad on defense and Cincinnati lit them up in the first first matchup this year, I knew that wasn't going to happen again. But I thought they'd do something. I mean, Cincinnati's just they're just they're just folding like a cheap tent again. It's just a shame because they've got so much talent. AJ Green makes a giant difference, but shouldn't make that big of a difference. It's a great no, for Baltimore. Baltimore is sliding too to put their their first round pick backup quarterback in and they get a win. It's a huge win for them. It's, it's, it's huge because it, it saves their chance. Like we'll take like if you take a look at the the. The sixth spot in the wild card in both conferences, it's it's really up for grabs, especially in the NFC in particular. But it keeps Baltimore alive there in the AFC and in Cincinnati. Uh, I know Mixon didn't look great on the on the twelve carries that he had, but they just completely abandoned the run in the second half of that game. There's no balance at all. Um, you know the the touchdown catch John Ross catches second straight week with a touchdown was uh, just an unbelievably acrobatic catch for somebody you don't expect to make that type of a play. I, I just don't know what we say about this Bengals team anymore. It just seems just to happen now year after year. Uh, I didn't think they were a 10-win team, but I thought this was to, could be a team that could compete for a wild-card spot, and they just seem to just can't get out of their own way. Yeah, they should be a middle-of-the-pack defense and a high-flying offense, and they're neither at this point. I mean, they yeah. save Harbaugh's job, and to, be able, they take heat off of him for a while. I don't know if it saves his job, but at least back off a little bit. That, that Those rumors were getting pretty hot. Yeah, they were, and uh, – Let's talk about this next team because you, we talked about this a lot, and you in particular pointed this out, that we don't think that Carolina is a great team, but we think they were a good team that took advantage of their schedule. This was a game you cannot lose. You cannot go into Detroit if you're going to be a playoff team, if you're going to at least pretend like you're going to be competitive in that division, and, and lose to Detroit like this. I mean, Carolina's offense looked terrible. Yeah, I mean, they, they're Carolina. They're weird. They're you know, the quarterback runs a ton. If he's not on on his game throwing it accurately, their offense isn't very good. They've got weapons that are tweeners. Their defense isn't as good as it's been in the past. They're giving up big plays. But, look, they did enough to win the game. They missed a 34-yard field goal to win it. But they still lost. Yeah. You still went to Detroit and lost. And it shouldn't have been that close. 
And it's a terrible loss for them. And I, they're, they're right there where I thought. I mean, maybe they're a wild card team, you know, 10 and 6, and they lose in the first round of the playoffs. It's kind of like what they are every year. I mean, when they made the run to the Super Bowl, they stayed healthy. Their defense was elite. And Cam played at MVP level. He won the MVP. He's not, and he hasn't since, and he wasn't before that. So I don't know. I mean, they don't, they don't have any traditional stuff. That's why I don't really like them. That offense is either really on and clicking or it's not. And when it's not, they lose, period. Yeah, I mean, again, they woke up a bit in the fourth quarter, but I mean, before that, they were just—it was abysmal to watch. And but from a fantasy perspective, you know, DJ Moore had a big game. I think again, I've been really high on him. He was on one of my must-pick-up lists a couple weeks back. I think he's going to have some success. Curtis Samuel, I'm probably not picking up yet, but I would just kind of keep him on your radar. They're starting to use him a little bit more the last three weeks or so. And on the Lions side, you know, boy, Kenny Galladay looks really good. I know Marvin Jones was out, so he became just the the one and only option there, but he looked really good. Uh, we'll wait and see on Carryon Johnson. It looks – I guess the reports out of last night, they think it might be an MCL sprain, uh, but it looks like he's going to miss some time, which is a real disappointment because he's really been coming on lately uh, the last month or so. Yeah, he has. He's been great for me. I picked him up a few weeks ago, and, and you're, we're getting to, you know – the time where it really matters in fantasy, making the playoffs and then making that run. So hopefully he's only out two to three weeks and you can get back and help some of these fantasy owners that picked him up like I did. Uh, transitioning to the next game, there's this team now that's winning a little bit. And they're right in this playoff picture now for that sixth spot in the AFC. They're right in that conversation. And I don't know if I want to play this team in the postseason. That's the Indianapolis Colts. That offense is – I mean, they're not doing what the Saints are doing – but they're doing they're getting pretty close with, what, with what's happening last few weeks. Andrew Luck, another three touchdown game. Marlon Mack looked really good. T.Y. Hilton was awesome. This Colts team looks really, really strong right now, particularly on offense. So there's this really smart guy that comes on our podcast every Wednesday named Bruce Arians. He said about three weeks ago, I don't want to play that team in November if I'm the rest of the NFL. He called the, the Colts and the Jets game and he, I talked to him that night and then he said it on our show. T.Y. back healthy. Andrew has so much confidence, having so much fun, and their offensive line is playing so well. I think they're like, what, five, six weeks in a row without a sack now. Uh, I wouldn't want to play them in November. And damn if I I wouldn't right now. That offense looks awesome. I've, taught, I've said it all year. I said it all last year on the podcast with Paige. That, that defensive front seven is stingy as hell against the run. They do enough to keep them in games, and Andrew's never going to quit. He's going to keep you – I mean, they look good. I mean, the Titans have been playing well, and they went up there and got their doors blown off. Yeah, I mean, the Titans have been a top-five defense this year. Uh, and in some categories, they were at number one, and they just got bowled over. I mean, they were just, uh, from the get-go, they were just destroyed. By the by midway through the second quarter, this game was over. And that's just really not what I was expecting to happen there. On the Titans' side, there's really, I mean, no fancy relevance. You weren't starting Mariota anyway, so the injury doesn't really affect much. Uh, you know, Jonu Smith has shown, a li- I mean, if you're desperate at tight end, but there's there's very little fantasy relevance on Tennessee. On Indy's side, everybody had a big day except Eric Ebron. Uh, yeah, Ebron was going to be a big fat zero. That that one hurt a little it, bit. Almost threw a touchdown though. Just just quite just outside of the fingertips of, tips of Andrew Luck. He just but boy, uh, I, I look at this team, this Indy team, and and it look, I would not start any fantasy defenses against them because you're not going to get to the quarterback like you were earlier this year or last year. And I start all your Colts because they're going to be a really exciting team going forward. Let's move on to the, the highest score game of the weekend. Tampa Bay and the New York Giants, 35-38. to 38. 
fantasy points all over the place. But let's start with the Tampa Bay. Uh, let's start with Tampa Bay here. They're going back to Jameis Winston for this game. I would imagine they will go back to Jameis Winston next week. I, I don't know what to do here. I think when you this is what the third or fourth QB switch this year. That's usually not a good sign that your team's very good. No, but they'll fight you like hell, and that offense keeps putting up numbers. I mean, the Giants had a giant lead. Tampa came, comes all the way back. Give the Giants credit. They pulled it out again. Uh, too straight for them. I mean, they're looking relevant again. Uh, but I think you have to continue to play both teams, all your offensive weapons. I mean, maybe not the Giants so much, depending on the matchup. But, hell, Tampa is putting up numbers on everybody, regardless of who the quarterback is. It's true. I mean, you know, Peyton Barber is actually finally starting to hit his stride the last couple of weeks. I was very low on him to begin the year, but he's finally getting it going. Obviously, you know what you're getting in Mike Evans and O.J. Howard. You know, on the Giants' side, Otto Beckham is starting to return that draft value the last month, month and a half or so. You're starting to kind of get back what you got. Saquon Barkley is an absolute stud. Uh, I, I feel like everybody's kind of gotten over it already. It's very strange. Like, he had such a good first half of the year, and everyone's like, yeah, he's very good, and we don't talk about it as much anymore because the Giants are have been – pretty much irrelevant for most of the season. Uh, but he's been excellent. Evan Ingram's starting to work his way back in that offense. You know, it's interesting because, you know, as, as I look at these teams, I, I still I can't help but look and think, you know, the Giants are only three games back. They could very well be two games back if they win next week because I, I think the Redskins are going to lose. They're not going to win that division, but, like, it's not out of the question that they could actually – at least to let make a little bit of noise in, in this, and at least they're going to make some noise in fantasy circles. Uh, the other game, Houston at Washington, I think the big news there, even though it's not super fantasy relevant, is Alex Smith's injury, which was gruesome. Uh, it was tough to watch that. Colt McCoy is coming in to take take over as a starter. They signed in Mark. They signed Mark Sanchez today to come in as their backup. I don't really think this means a ton if you own, let's say, Jordan Reed or Adrian Peterson. Those are the only two ownable. Uh, Redskins in fantasy. I think Colt McCoy can run the offense very similarly that Alex Smith has. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a, a huge downgrade there for fantasy purposes. Uh, and then on the Houston side, they do enough to pull out this victory. It's now seven in a row. They're clearly in control of that division, although the Colts are kind of pushing them a little bit. Lamar Miller had a pretty decent game. Kiki Kuti, boy, if he could stay healthy, he is at least flex worthy, but he's got to stay on the field. New Hopkins is a stud as always. Jake, what do you take away from this game? Two really good teams that had a good game. You know, I mean, this is November football in the NFL. The Redskins, give them credit. They are fighting their absolute asses off. Jay Gruden is coaching up. I, I mean, it makes no sense. But they're running down your throat. They're stopping the run. That defense has been good. And give the Texans credit. They're doing enough to win. Seven in a row in the NFL is freaking hard, man. It means you went on the road and won a couple. That means you didn't play well and you won a couple. They got enough to get it done. I like where they're heading. I mean, I think they got to stay healthy. But they've stayed relatively healthy. And Deshaun Watson continues to not be great, but I think he realizes, he's not yeah, I think, I think he realizes his limitations of where he is this year. And he's Bill O'Brien's done a hell of a job writing the ship, I think, and, and understanding what Deshaun Watson can do and what he can't do and making that offense go around him. And Lamar Miller, they're handing it to him more, which I think helps. They're being a little bit more balanced. Two really good teams, man. I mean, I, I hate that it happened to Alex Smith. I agree with you. I don't think Colt McCoy is a downgrade at all. Very similar player. Had, had a lot of success scrambling and running. Very athletic guy. Uh, very accurate guy. I think he runs the offense. He's been there for a while. He knows it probably better than Alex Smith does. Um, 
Adrian Peterson, Jordan Reed, like you said, the only two fantasy guys that are relevant. But I, I actually watched a lot of that game and enjoyed a lot of it. It was just good November NFL football. Yeah, it's good for – you know, and that's why I'm not fully ready to say the Redskins can't win this division yet. I mean, that defense is playing really well. I don't think it's a huge downgrade, but we'll see what happens here, you know, on Thursday night on this short week. Hello, TD Fantasy listeners. Jamie Eisner here telling you about the ultimate fantasy football draft experience. You've heard us talk about it on the show before. Fantasy football at sea. Think about what you were doing this past draft night. Were you just sitting on your couch? Were you stuck at the office hoping your boss didn't see you? That's no fun at all. Isn't fantasy football supposed to be fun? Why not upgrade and do your 2019 draft on a cruise to the Bahamas where you can get the best advice and party with the top fantasy analysts and former NFL players? Beach, sun, fantasy football, TD Fantasy will be there. That is a tough combo to beat. Go to fantasyfootballatsea.com. For more information and learn how you can book today. Let's go on to our next game. And maybe if you turn this game off in the third quarter and stopped watching it, you made a mistake. The Jacksonville Jaguars got up 16-0 on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It seems like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Steelers' offense, whether it was interceptions, turnovers, whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden they just needed a little bit of a spark. And they got it with a 78-yard touchdown from Antonio Brown that started to lead their comeback victory. Boy, and after the game, I want to talk to you about this because we've talked about this a lot. We talked about this with you. We talked about this with, with your dad. The Jacksonville Jaguars love to talk. And they love to talk crap on the field, off the field, in the press, wherever it is. And Ben Roethlisberger came back after the game and said there was a lot of chat and a lot of drawing from the Jacksonville side. The problem was they then went out there and blew the lead and lost that football game. So what do you think about the comeback from Pittsburgh? And is this just more of the same of just Jacksonville's just too cocky for their own good at this point? A little bit of both. So I'll start with Pittsburgh. I mean, everybody knows Ben is family to me and like a brother, but dude is tough as freaking nails. He was not on his game, and they beat the hell out of him for three and a half quarters, and he made enough plays to win that game. Antonio Brown never quit. I mean, that team – to me, this is the this is the catalyst that could spark the Steelers to a Super Bowl run is going down there and winning a game when they did not have their best against a team switching to Jacksonville, who I was a little bit curious when Leonard Fournette came back. Could they become the team that they're built to be? Smash you in the mouth, run it 30 times a game, stop the run, keep that defense off the field so they're fresh, talk some smack, have some swag. They look like it last week. They look like it again this week for three and a half quarters. I think Jacksonville just had a few injuries, and Leonard Fournette being one of the biggest ones, that they couldn't really play like they were built to play. And they felt like they were still pretty good, so they were talking all this crap. This one bit him in the ass. Jalen Ramsey ran his mouth. He was out. He played his tail off. Now, don't give me, I mean, two interceptions. The second one in the end zone was the hell. They were both spectacular. And then, yeah. and then he got, and then AB got him, and that 75 yard touchdown sparked him. And they made enough plays. James Conner drops a walk-in touchdown to win the game. And then Ben keeps fighting and Juju makes a couple plays. I mean, they just – the Steelers just have a ton. And they used everybody, including Ryan Switzer, to get it done. McDonald with a freaking uh, awesome catch in the end zone for the touchdown. I just – I was really, really impressed with the gumption of the Steelers to go out there and get this done when they were getting destroyed. That defense from Jacksonville dominated the game. And Ben and the Steelers made enough plays to win it. I think this is huge for them moving forward. Like you said, the mark of a great team is being able to win games 
that you don't play your best, and particularly road games in which you don't play your best. And uh, that's what the Steelers did here, and, and I agree with you. I, I Look, it, it's a hell of a performance by Pittsburgh. It was really weird. The first half of this game, I felt like it was transported from last season. It looked like last season's road Steelers and last season's Jacksonville team. It, it was a, a very interesting matchup. I thought it was really just we were in like a time warp where we were just playing like a week 15 game from 2017. But uh, look, the Steelers did nothing to get the job done. You've had another big games from Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Obviously, Connor struggled a little bit in this game relative to how he's been performing. I'm not concerned about that at all. Uh, and, and like you said, you know, Leonard Fournette being back, they, they are they went right back to him. This is a couple weeks in a row. Of, they're giving him all of the work. They're not afraid to give it to him. Uh, he right now might be the only relevant Jaguar uh, in fantasy. But, again, 28 carries on the ground, caught two passes, had, what, 140-something yards in total yards scored. So he's been really good. Let's talk about the next game, and, and there are a few places that the, dub this the tank bowl between the Oakland Raiders and, and the Arizona Cardinals. Well, this was not the game uh, Cardinals or their fans were hoping for. Um, Oakland comes to town. That should be – I don't care who you are. That should be an easy victory. It was not. But as we talked about last week, David Johnson is going to be putting up numbers from here on out with Byron Lefwich calling the plays. Look. I love the offensive game plan that Byron started with. They ran it, ran it, ran it, play action, took a couple shots. Rosen was was hitting on all cylinders early. He had some turnovers. He threw some picks. He's going to be fine. I, I'm actually I, I still think he's Jay Cutler. And if you're Jay Cutler, if, if, if Arizona fans get Jay Cutler's career, you're happy as hell. This kid can flat throw the ball. The body language and some of that stuff still kind of weird to me, but he can freaking play. They they got a quarterback for the future. But this is a god-awful freaking loss in Arizona. Like, this is – I'm not biting my tongue anymore. This defense sucks. What they did to a top-seven defense for five years in a row and changing it to this crap and giving up to a Raiders team without Jordy Nelson with zero weapons, it's just – this is a god-awful loss at home. It was 70% full. 50% of the 70 were there. was solid black Raider fans. It is absolute damn shame what has happened to the Cardinals, and it just pisses me off. This, I mean, this is just – you beat the Niners twice. The Niners go with their third-string quarterback and put up 35 or whatever it was on the Raiders and blow their doors off. And the Raiders come in here, which is supposed to be a hard place to play. And it's like they're playing a home game, and they kick your ass. It's just embarrassing. It just it, – it sucks, and it pisses me off what's, what's happened this year with Arizona Cardinals. I can't dispute anything you're saying. It just this, – this is a – again, this is a game you have to win. You should be a better team than Oakland. You are a better – you have more talent on your Everywhere. roster than Oakland. You have more talent at every single position other than maybe quarterback, and I don't think that's that big of a discrepancy. And you you just can't get it done. It, it's just – it's it's crazy. Uh, I I don't fully understand it. I don't, I don't know what happened in such a short span to this team. Uh, but, again, they're just completely irrelevant right now aside from – in fantasy, aside from David Johnson – I think Christian Kirk on some levels, it can be a flex play. Uh, he and Rosen have connected a bunch. He caught a touchdown in that game. Uh, on the Oakland side, again, just for the, like the umpteenth week in a row, Jalen Richard is the player you want, and that's about it. Uh, it's the only Raider uh, I want on my fantasy team. Uh, maybe the little bit more shocking result of the week, the Denver Broncos go into L.A. and beat the Chargers by one point on Brandon McManus's last second field goal. Ah, boy, I just see it seems the Chargers have a little bit of trouble getting going early. They end up getting a couple field goals in the first quarter. 
But that's this is a team that I know Denver's defense is strong. It's a divisional game, and these are all these Broncos Chargers games always seem to be really close, no matter where the game is played or the caliber of the teams. But for a team with as many weapons as as LA has, and a team that should, quite frankly, be a Super Bowl contender, this is a game I'm surprised they lost at home. I'm a little shocked. I mean, look, they have some serious kicking issues and one of the easiest places on the planet to kick. They can't freaking seem to scout kickers and get somebody in there that's decent. They can miss another extra point, which cost them this one. This is a bad loss. This is a bad loss for them at home. They were up. Joey Bosa was back. I think it'll take him a few weeks to get acclimated. We'll see how sore he is after this game. Um, but there wasn't even a lot of like talk about Joey Bosa being back. It's kind of crazy. Look, they hit the Cardinals next week, so – that I, that I think the Chargers get back on track and blow the doors off the Cardinals. But it's a bad loss at home. A good comeback win uh, for Denver, who just had another one that they could have pulled off a week ago and McManus missed the game winner. So, I mean, Denver's – they're hanging in there. They're playing. Cortland Sutton looks freaking good. Manuel Sanders got banged up in this one. Um, Philip Lindsay, like you've been saying all year, dude was really good. Uh, but it's a great win for them. To me, it's a bad, bad loss for the Chargers. Yeah, and look, the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. They're going to be the five seed in the AFC. But you really had a chance here because you were only one game behind the Chiefs. The Chiefs have to go into L.A. and face the Rams tonight on Monday Night Football. You were entering a legit possibility that you could draw into a tie with them, and you still get to play them. I mean, there, there, was, a, there was a real opportunity here for the Chargers to put themselves in position to win their division, which is huge. And possibly even have the number one seed in the conference. And these are the types of games that you just can't lose if you want to get a home playoff game or if you want to get a bye. Uh, you know, fantasy-wise, I mean, Philip Rivers was great. Uh, we told you at the beginning of the year that just wait on quarterbacks and grab a guy like Philip Rivers late. You'll be happy. Melvin Gordon still continues to be a stud. Keenan Allen's having a, had a strong game. Uh, I don't buy the Antonio Gates game at all. I know he had five for 80 and a touchdown. But, I mean, he ran – last week he ran a total of nine routes. So like I, I'm not, I'm not buying this from them at all. On Denver's side, like you said, Cortland Sutton looks pretty good. Uh, Philip Lindsay's it, it, Royce Freeman looks good too. Uh, I just think it's gonna be very interesting going into next year to see how you and I rank these two running backs because I think there's they're gonna split a lot of time uh, in, in seasons ahead. They actually the Broncos might have gotten two really good backs there. The other game that we're gonna talk about, I guess there's two more before we get to the night. One more before we get to the night game. The Philadelphia Eagles go into New Orleans, and it did not go so well for the defending Super Bowl champions. Um, it seems like New Orleans could just put up 50 points just when they feel like it at this point. Um, start every Saint ever, always, because this team right now looks like the best team in football. Like, they're just mowing over everybody else. And they have been. You know, they've gone on the road and done it. Like putting up 51 on the Bengals last week. I mean, they're just leaving defensive coordinators in their freaking wake in their dust right now. I picked the Saints 31-21 in this game. I thought they'd win it pretty easily. I didn't think they'd blow their doors off like this. The Eagles have serious issues. Serious issues. They can't run it. I don't like their offensive game plan with the weapons that they have. Their defense has been crap all year. I don't like the game plan that they're playing with. They're trying to live off of last year's stuff that they did. But, by the way, that's on tape. Everybody's seen what you want to do. you got to change it up. you got to be creative. Do the stuff that you did last year that was successful. That was creative. People didn't know what you were going to do because you were being creative every week. Now you're not. They're vanilla and they're terrible. I think the Eagles are done. It's not that they have a ton of injuries. And Carson Wentz looks good, by the way. Carson Wentz has been playing really good. You're getting great quarterback play and your team still sucks this bad. They got some big, big issues. I can't really point my finger at all of what they are. 
other than a lot of it, you ran into a damn bus off because the Saints look phenomenal. And give the Saints defense credit, they played really well the last three weeks. And that's a scary thing. Like if that if they even get slightly above average defense, that team can win the Super Bowl easily. I mean, right now, I mean, look, we'll see what happens tonight. I know the Rams have played some really good offenses, but the Rams' defense hasn't looked like anything special for about six, seven weeks now. If the New Orleans Saints can at least just match what the Rams can do on defense, I mean, we've already seen them beat them once. I would Again, I would not be surprised to see that happen again. And again, to your point, I didn't expect the Eagles to win this game. I also didn't expect them to lose by 41. I mean, they were not even competitive in this game. They got their doors blown off almost in the first quarter, and they just run from there. They, you know, this was finally a, a blog game. It was a bad game for Carson Wentz, but he hasn't been the problem for them. They just can't seem to get anything clicking at the same time. Or two of the three, they get strong quarterback play, then they can't run the ball and they can't play defense. Or they all, oh, they finally run the ball a little bit. Wentz throws three interceptions and they can't play defense. They even can't get two of three aspects of their game on at the same time and. I agree. Like I, I know they're mathematically right in the mix of it, but I can't, I can't justifiably make an argument right now that they are better than Washington or better than Dallas. I can't. I, I've watching their games. You can't. On the other side of things, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara both are having excellent games. I think Ingram's a must start every week now. For whatever reason, if you weren't starting him, you were a little concerned about some of the weeks where he wasn't getting as many touches. You have to start him. Huge game for Traquan Smith, which was good to see because he got. All of zero catches last week. Uh, got 10 for 157 and a touchdown here. Michael Thomas caught another touchdown. Uh, it just often – the Saints are just so so freaking good right now. Uh, it's, it's tough to see. Unless somebody gets hurt, it's tough to see who's going to beat them before they get to an NFC Championship game. Last one of the night is the Sunday night game between the Vikings and the Bears. Uh, let's talk – the Bears pull this one out here. Another decent game. Another touchdown for Anthony Miller, who was my – was the number one pickup in fantasy last week and has made was made my last two list of players you should pick up. He had a good game. Jordan Howard ran the ball a little bit well. It's it's funny. It's the Bear nobody on the Bears really had that spectacular of a game, but that defense is I was so good. Say, other still. than Cleo Mack. So good. It continues to just be an absolute monster. Look, I watched this on the plane on the way home last night, and I had to get off the plane with like ten minutes to go. And it was, it was like 14 to six still. And I, I look at it and the bears went 25, 20 or whatever it was. I'm like, what in the hell did I miss in the last little bit? The Vikings could get nothing going. That defense with the bears was just stifling all night. Give Nagy credit. I've been begging him all year to run some between the tackles inside zone with Jordan Howard. And they stayed with it enough. They were getting four or five at a pop. And then they'd go back to the misdirection stuff but they kept the clock turning. They were getting first downs. They were playing complimentary football. There was no really fast three and outs, that kind of stuff. Um, I thought the Vikings would pull it out. I thought they were a better team, but the Bears defense is better than the Vikings defense. And Mitchell Trubisky has continued. He has some, as Chris Collins were said, wows. And, oh, wow. He still has his moments. But the Bears are legit. It was a great win for them at home in prime time. That city deserves it. I was happy to see that. The Vikings are not going away. They're going to make the playoffs, and they look really good. Uh, but they just they couldn't get it going last night. A few points I want to make on this game, too. What, one is that I know it was, wasn't the sexiest pick of all time, but Eddie Jackson was a hell of a football player at Alabama, and he's turned into a hell of an NFL player, too. He was the one that got the INT return last night. He's a really good player. I mean, that, that whole secondary doesn't get talked about enough on, the, on that Bears team. They've been really strong for two years. On the Minnesota side, 
This is a team they have to get going quicker. I've watched a lot of Vikings games this year, and a lot of times their first halves on offense are a nightmare. They really struggled in this. They didn't score in this half. They've struggled in multiple other times, including against the Jets a few weeks back. This team needs to get going before the second half if they want to do any damage in the postseason. You know what I'd love to see from the Vikings? They're already throwing it more than anybody in the league. Why the hell not just go in a shotgun, go no huddle, and throw the hell out of it, go run and shoot with Dalvin Cook? Because putting Dalvin Cook back there and trying to run a traditional offense with him and throwing it – you know, I'm not big on the shotgun. Like I like the quarterback being under center. I like play action. I like traditional NFL football. But that's not how you're built at this point. I think that would help them putting the three receivers out there with Rudolph and Dalvin Cook and being in the shotgun and go ahead and sling it. Almost go two-minute. Maybe not that fast, but go no huddle. You have a quarterback that can handle it. You have a defense that can handle it. That can you could you could survive a couple three and outs if you had a couple like that. But I think they would put so much pressure on the other team that it would really benefit what they're doing. I just don't think they're playing very complimentary football as part of their problem. No, they're not, and and that's a big problem. Uh, one last point in this game, and it's back to Khalil Mack point. And I'm going to shout out to Josh Dubow uh, of the Associated Press for tweeting this out last night. Raiders linebackers are up to 1,531 defensive snaps this season without a single sack, fumble recovery, forced fumble, or interception. <laughs> That's a hell of a stat. Now say what, now say Khalil Mack stats. I said, yeah, let me go look. I think Khalil Mack has gone like three snaps since his last <laughs> sack or interception. Sack fumble, uh, recovery. Or, I mean, it just yeah. doing it against the right, stopping the run. He's sacking the quarterback. He's just wreaking havoc on games. He's missed two games with an ankle injury, and he's still by far the best defensive player in football. I'm going to win that award. It's just he is – give Ryan Pace credit, man. They gave up a lot to get him. But, God, you gave yourself a chance to, to go really deep and make a serious run by getting one player. Yeah, they absolutely did. And he has been worth every penny. So before we sign off, let's preview tonight's mega game, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Rams. There's so much fantasy offense to go around in this game. I mean, you're starting everybody. You're starting Mahomes, Goff, Gurley, Hunt, Hill, Cooks. Who do you think is the breakout player in this game? I think Cooks. I, th- I think I think Brandon Cooks is the breakout. Not that he needs to be a breakout player because he's a star, but I think he takes over the role with Cooper Cup gone, and that's he, he's kind of there where they had one, two, and three, and it depended on the week. I think he becomes the number one guy for the Rams moving forward. I think McVay is going to scheme stuff up for him. He's small, but he's quick. He runs the entire route tree, and he can flat fly. And I think McVay is going to really scheme him up. I'm in a dilemma. I have one league where I'm winning, and the guy I'm playing has Tyree Kill, and I have Cooks. I've got another league where I'm losing, and I've got Tyree Kill and Cooks. So I'm like, I, I, oh, I, I, I got a couple of crazy things going. I'm expecting a big night. I'm expecting fireworks. The Rams still look tired to me, and their defense has been struggling for three or four weeks. I think the Chiefs have enough to get it done. 34-30 is what I picked. I'm going to stick with that. Uh, but I think it's going to be fireworks. I think it's going to be back and forth. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to cap off a week where there wasn't a lot of great football, but you're going to get two of the best teams in the league in prime time and it should be a big audience watching this. I'm just excited to see it. Yeah, I'm excited as well. And I agree with you. I thought we kind of had a almost, I don't want to, I hate to use this word, but almost a boring slate of games yesterday up until the night game. Just, it was very, just kind of blah football. Um, I know we weren't able to do our show Friday, but I am with you. I think the Chiefs can win this game as well. Uh, I, like I said, I think the Rams are tired. I like the Chiefs offense a lot. Both quarterbacks in this game are in my top three for the week. Both of top, running backs in this game are in my top three for this week. 
I, I think we're going to get big games for everybody. I am curious to see who takes some of those Cooper Cup targets, whether I want to see if they use Gerald Everett in interesting ways, Tyler Higby, uh, Josh Reynolds, Brandon, do they use Brandon Cooks differently? That's what we talked a lot about last week. So I'm interested to see how that offense looks without Cooper Cup and who's going to be in what spots on the Here's field. Here's a question for uh, me that I'm curious about on, to that point and how much I, I have really grown to love Sean McVay as a play caller. I think he recognizes that their defense is tired and they're not playing great. I think he also recognizes they have the number one running back in the NFL. And I think Gerald Everett, to your point, is going to play in the slot. And I think Higby's going to be on the field. I think they're going to be on the field together because Cooper Cup's a nice blocker. He does a really good job blocking. I think McVay is going to try to keep the Chiefs' offense off the field. Do what the, the actually, actually, I'm going to say this, the Arizona Cardinals did to them a week ago. And try to run the ball. I think Gurley has a monster night. I think they stay with it. And they almost go play action over the top of it. I think McVay's going to scheme some stuff up. But I think Everett's going to get some catches off of being on the field together with Higby. Yeah, and I think that would be an extremely interesting way. And they could do that. I would not be surprised to see Higby and Everett on the field at the same time. And I'm just I'm just curious from that perspective. That doesn't have a ton of fantasy relevance for most people. Uh, but it is something to kind of watch and monitor going forward. Because uh, I'm in a situation where I started had to start jailed Everett this week. And I took a chance because we have Gronk's on a bye. Uh, but we'll see what happens in this game. So... Uh, I'm excited for it. We'll come back Wednesday with an interview with Bruce. We'll, I'm sure we will talk about this game in some capacity because no matter what happens, it's going to be extremely fantasy relevant. Uh, Jake, how can they follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. And you can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at JME Eisner on Instagram, and follow the show at TDFantasy underscore on all of the social media outlets. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and we will be back on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.